0: Hey, housewives, come on in. You know the dirty dishes are still in the sink from yesterday and the laundry is still in the basket. Pop your AirPods in and make yourself at home here.
1: I'm Tracy. I'm Tori. And we We are your Unlikely Housewives. Stepping out in faith and believing that God calls the unlikely, we are here to show you the appreciation and validation you deserve, lead you to authentic relationships, and release you of believing the cultural lies to restore your faith and wellness.
0: Pull up those high-waisted yoga pants, tighten your top knot, and reheat your coffee for the third time, turn up the volume, and let's go.
1: Hey, Housewives, welcome back. Hey, Housewives. We're excited to be here again this week with a guest that we have been talking to for a few months. So happy to have you on, Caleb. I'm going to let Tori introduce you. Yes, we have got Jay
0: Caleb Rogers. He's born of a single mother and elementary education teacher and raised with the help of his grandfather. A Southern Baptist minister, Jay Caleb Rogers seemed to be destined to fill the role of both mentor and speaker. However, as most journeys go, it took him traversing a few detours before getting there. Mm -hmm. After graduating from UMKC with a BS in accounting, Caleb attained his CPA and began his career in the financial services sector and then transitioned in consulting. In 2015, he ventured into mental coaching Mm -hmm. and within a short time, moved from working with amateur fighters to UFC athletes and coaches. His work quickly extended into the business world. The mental since he was born in Conquer LLC was established. Well, Caleb, thank you so much. I so appreciate you being here.
2: Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Thank you for everybody who is tuning in to, to watch this now or later. I appreciate you guys tremendously.
0: Yes. Well, I have to say, so the way that we got connected was through a mutual friend, Ricardo. Shout out, Ricardo. And he is an incredible athlete. And I was like, hey, because we had talked about it between the two of us. We've got six kiddos and every kid has at least one sport and not more because we're those stupid parents. And so we were talking about as they get older and they're competitive and they're mm-hmm. looking for club or just to reach that next level. Mental is a real thing. Like you've really got to be mentally wanting to be there, mentally prepared, mentally strong. And so we said this is an area where parents are struggling because mental health is such a hot topic. Everybody wants to talk about mental health. But are we talking about mental health where we're fixing it is the main thing and not just putting some dirt on it and walking away. So, yeah, that's kind of what we want to talk to you about today.
2: Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to kind of dive in. So you guys are both parents of student athletes, right? <laughs> Baseball
1: and soccer is our family. <laughs> okay. We've got basketball, volleyball, and
0: gymnastics.
2: Wow. Okay. Those are, I mean, you guys are running the gamut. I'm assuming like multiple uh, seasonal sports, right? Like they're doing multiple things.
0: Yeah, yeah, very
1: much so. And when did that start? Let's talk about that. When we were kids. It was not multiple seasons. It was just a spring baseball or summer baseball, club well, football, not like all year, year round, round sports. Yes,
2: yeah. It right. seems like the club teams have made things increasingly more competitive. Like it's like people want to, especially at least locally here in the this in city market. Like the soccer teams are like nonstop. They're, nonstop. They're running, they're
0: like- we moved here from Dallas six years ago. And the North Dallas area, very highly competitive when it came to sports. I mean, like there were high school coaches recruiting in middle school to get kids to move to theirs. I mean, like you have Allen football, you have all of the big Texas football, right? I mean, it's crazy. And then parents are doing if you don't have a private coach by the time you're
1: five, then like don't plan on making the team because you're not going to get there. Yeah. I think for us, if we're a little I grew up small town, so small school. So it was just the one sport per season. So you got to play everything, which was nice. Now I think that's a little bit different for kids. You have to choose a little bit earlier. One, because of cost and two, because of time. So you're asking your young kids to pick baseball or soccer. Which do you want? That's just kind of where we are with that but then we were in Chicago before and the Chicago public schools didn't have sports so you played rec and different groups organizations Extra, yeah extracurricular X-A-D-X. to get involved in so when we came here we were like wait what we can't even get on a team like this is hard so we kind of all got different backgrounds and experiences and clearly we aren't the only ones in the market here that have kids in sports and when we were introduced to you through and your mutual friend. I think the one thing we just want to talk to you about, first of all, let's go back though, and how you got here, because finance was your original space. So how'd you get into mental coaching?
2: Yeah, so I've always had a a pretty creative side and a pretty like business-oriented side. In high school, I went to a small school as well. So it wasn't, wasn't too tough, but I did graduate valedictorian and then went to Cornell, off my college career, and I was in the applied economics and management. Once again, very business side. Yeah. And I was like, "Hey, I want to go be an actor." So, so I left Cornell and came back to Kansas City to take all of these acting courses. And then I met my wife, and I was like, "Hey, maybe this isn't a great idea." So I went back into like finance and accounting, and I and it, it was kind of this yo yo of, of like this creative side and this in this security chasing side that I that I had. Long story long, I eventually kind of merged those things in my own company where I'm able to kind of think creatively and, and do really creative work. And I, they call it a, a mental coach, but I think I'm more of a soul coach, but also like running a business, which is, I'm a CPA, so, so all of that kind of numbers and marketing and and sales approach side too. So it's it's been a good good fit for me. I think the trigger that led me into it was throughout all of those years when I was chasing security, I never stopped to really ask myself, like, hey, does this align with who I am or, or make me happy? And while it led to a very good job, I was sitting there like Googling, what is the meaning of life? You know, Like, what's the point of this? Because just it got to a point where that it just it wasn't vibing. Then when my late grandfather passed away, he was kind of my main mentor. I started to ask myself the big questions. What are you doing? Are you good at it? Do you, do you like it? Do you even enjoy it? Are you giving back and fighting and I didn't like the answers. And so when I asked myself, well, what is something that I can actually be best at? It was helping people in kind of a, a one-on-one format or communication. And that's kind of maybe even spread to some keynotes and workshops and things like that too. But that's kind of how I got my start around the 2015 time period.
1: And when did you technically become the, call yourself the mental sensei? Did that come like with your branding of working with people or how did you get to that?
2: I wish it had that great of a story. I probably should make <laughs> I, I went to see a man in the mountains, and I, I had <laughs> name. no, it was just an available domain name, and I was like, "Hey, that kind of makes sense." It's a mental coach, a mental teacher, so I registered the domain name, got a copy, and then I started that with all my branding, and it stuck. I've always been drawn to the martial arts. competed in those when I was younger, and and started working with fighters and UFC fighters. So it it kind of tracks. I was like, "All right, that that works," and now it's spread into other things, but.
0: That is awesome. And just to know that, like, hey, it, it, it doesn't always have to be some creative thing or something. Sometimes it's just an available domain name. <laughs>
1: like, I saw that this is going on GoDaddy.com. This is great. Yeah.
2: So. Doesn't it really count? I mean, if you give yourself your own nickname, I don't.
1: Well, clearly it's worked because you have quite a following and you've worked with a lot of incredible people and helped them in their, I've seen titles and championships and, and all kinds of things yeah. as you celebrated with your clients, I guess. I was going (laughs) to say, we were just discussing one of your clients is potentially on his way to the
0: Super Bowl, fingers crossed, pro bowler. And what did you say? All pro?
2: Yeah, uh, he got the uh, all pro second team nod this this year. So I worked with Traverius Ward. He was a quarterback for the 49ers. Now he used to be on the Chiefs. I started working with him on the Chiefs. We did some great work. He went and got a rather sizable contract to go play for the 49ers. And we kept in touch and kept doing good work. And we set a goal at the beginning of this year. He wanted Pro Bowl, all pro and, and Super Bowl Chief. And I was like, well, I can at least support you for two out of the three. We'll see how the last thing I mean, I jest, I want to see the best for him. But
0: oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and know, it's just a
2: reminder,
0: too. It is a team sport. I mean, as much as as much as we want to blame it on one person.
2: Recently, I think I started working with NFL players about. 2020. And I've worked with a few Super Bowl champions, but I think it's, it's been nice. He's probably the one that i worked with, like the closest and by far has taken the the work. He does all the hard things. And, that, and when you're playing at that level, like you really, it does, it's a lot more demanding, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, the extra work like that that people put in and, and probably you're seeing even for children at this point doing that, doing the hard thing.
0: Well, my question is, do you use the same? Obviously, it's different for each individual. Yes, yeah. we know that. But I mean, you're still going with the same concept for playing in the NFL as you are as a UFC fighter, right? Because it's yep. still.
2: Along my journey, like I got certified as a master hypnotist, which is like through the only accredited hypnotherapy school in the country. And then I got certified in NLP, neurolinguistic programming, and then mental and emotional release therapy, these different things that work with the subconscious mind. So, Mooney, traversing. He's very, very big on the subconscious. So I'll do a lot of like hypnosis work with him prior to games or things like that. And we've done other work too, but we know we've been working together for two and a half, three years now. So like that's, that's kind of the keys that, that he likes. Uh, for other athletes though, like I'll start with some of what I call like the foundational approach. We'll begin working on like what they want, their identity, kind of beginning to, 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 to formulate a vision or a purpose and how to execute on that through very foundational stuff, visualization, breath work, goal setting, all these kind of things that are like, I would call them, like I said, foundational. Every athlete, every individual is unique. And I think one of the advantages that I have is because I'm not traditionally trained, we had to kind of learn by doing. And I'm, I, I kind of put my own spin on things, which means I'm well equipped to meet the individual where they're at. I like think that's what people appreciate from me. Like I get into the first phase of our Coaching work is understanding. And I really want to understand okay, what's going on with you? How do you think? What are your values? And the longer and the deeper we go in that, the better of a coach I'm able to become for you or your athlete.
1: Well, I think some of the stuff like I've read of yours or looked at on social, you focus on the same principle. Let's put it that way with people, the understanding and getting to the heart of things. You focus on faith, focus, and composure. I've seen those words a lot throughout consistently. Talk to us a little bit about that. I mean, is that where we start with people or and understanding those kinds of things?
2: Yeah, so what you detailed, I mean, there's a blueprint, right that I've kind of created to help an athlete become mentally prepared to dominate in competition. And I broke that down working with fighters. Remember, I kind of had to work with yeah. fighters, which, in my opinion, is one of the craziest, most intense sports that you can you can participate in, because I mean you're you really are taking physical harm. And oftentimes half of your wealth is contributed on whether you're going to win or lose that fight or competition. Mm-hmm. When I gravitate towards that, it's, it's a very high pressurized environment. I broke that down into kind of a five fight framework, physical battle, the mental battle, the actual fights, the crowd and the post fight. And then from there, those, like I said, that's the overarching blueprint. And then we kind of go into each one of those things. So what you just described was the mental battle. Okay, And I yeah, I can apply that to how you win the mental battle in any sport. Faith, focus, and composure. Does an athlete perform better or worse when they believe in themselves? And more often or not, it's, hey, better when I believe in myself. Mm -hmm. Is faith a choice or just something that you have? We were talking about our faith before. Do you think you were just born a Christ follower or do you think that that's something that you had to choose along the way?
0: We chose it.
2: So if we can identify then that faith Serves you, it, you perform better, and it's within your power to choose. Then we're going to choose faith. We're going to actively choose to believe in ourselves, just like you choose actively to believe in God. Focus. Focus is being present and focused on the task at hand and the strategy you want to execute. And composure is being in control of your emotions. Okay, so, so I'll never ask you not to have emotions, but to be in control of those emotions. And so through each of those kind of pillars, I'll work with an athlete. Maybe one athlete is struggling with faith. Maybe they can't stay focused. Maybe they get distracted because of their emotions. Maybe they've got problems outside of the competition arena or off the field that are getting in the way. And so they can't focus or they can't you know, regulate their emotions to play clear-headed and clear-minded. Again, every athlete's different, but that is kind of the overarching framework that I use it when I approach it.
1: I mean, excellent principles, obviously, that you're using with high-level athletes, things that we can talk about with our kids. Do you believe in yourself? Just even, they don't even have to be teenagers, and our younger kids. Do you believe that you can go out there and do well? Like, you gotta have that. Confidence is built as they experience games or competitions. But the focus? Yep. That's a big one, kids. (laughs) Yeah. You can yep. see it when they're out there, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, cool, what's happening?" Yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's yeah.
2: What? To wrap up the faith point too, like faith without works is dead, right? So mm-hmm. people might hear me bait. It's not just standing in front of the mirror saying, "Oh, I believe in myself. I got this, mom. Or I got this, dad." It's also working like you believe in yourself. Like, okay, well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go do and show that. In terms of focus, there is a lot of like elite level performers have high levels of sustainable concentration meaning they're able to to focus for long periods of time without getting distracted. And they're able to be in that present moment for long periods of time. And this breaks down to like flow state. They talk about that kind of that peak performance state where the game kind of moves through them versus them having to actively do that. I think that comes through work and training. I mean, kids are kids, are kids and they should be. They should be there and, and having fun and being creative and explore. But the more that you can continue to drive that focus or return to focus, and there's different cognitive drills that we do to do that, I think the better it is shown to yield in, in athletic performance.
1: The other part too, one thing we talked about was the composure piece and the kids at my kid's age, not necessarily my older, but that middle school level, that anger and frustration and just the emotional component. Boy, do you see a lot of that these days in the kids. And I think that's So hard because it's part of growing, it's part of learning, but it is. That's hard to talk to
0: your kids about. I would say that's hard for adults. Did we not just see a man throw his helmet on the sidelines when they lost a game recently? I'm I'm not mentioning any names or anything. Kansas City people, but (laughs) I mean, still, it is a matter of emotions are good. Mm -hmm. We can have our emotions, but we are also given the power to control our emotions.
2: I was working with the heavyweight world champion of bare knuckle boxing, and he was going through his second title defense, pretty big fight. And along the way, his fight camp had been pushed back and then pushed back and then pushed back, which is very frustrating for an athlete thinking, oh, we're going to have this and then it falls through. Oh, we're going to have this and then it falls through. I mean, you're you're dieting, you're training, you're doing all of this work and it's just rolling. So he's mentally and physically exhausted. Finally gets the fight. We're making it through the camp. And as we're making it through the camp, the week before he's supposed to fight, his dog dies. Oh, Again, this is like a bare knuckle contest. Like, And he's a heavyweight. These are big, dangerous monsters that these guys are fighting. And I'm talking to him and his energy level is just like super low. He's crying. He's sad. He's upset. His girlfriend at the time, their kids are crying. They're upset. We've got to go win a fight, right? Like we've signed the contract like this bare knuckle. I remember never forget. I was like, "Hey, man, what are you feeling right now?" And he like looked at me. He's like, "Well, I'm, I'm sad." I said, "Yeah, like okay, so you're sad." I said, "Can you fight sad?" Paused and looked through tear covered eyes. I was like, "Yeah, like I can win sad." But okay, then go win sad. Hmm. And. That story kind of illustrates, and he did, he went out there and he put on a dominant performance and successfully defended his heavyweight belt. It was an awesome, awesome experience, given all that had happened. I think one of the things that people get mixed up, they don't validate the emotions that are there. They try to compartmentalize them and lock them away. Mm-hmm. And it's emotional control. It's not emotional denial. It's, it's like, hey, like, mm-hmm. I can feel scared. I can feel pissed. I can feel sad. Whatever these things are, authentic, valid emotions, how do I channel the energy that I'm feeling from them towards focused action to get the results that I want?
0: That's amazing. That's a really good visual. A fact in the Bible I always remember is when Jesus walked through the temple and turned tables, angry. He flipped the table of the merchants and said, not in my house. How dare you desecrate my house? That's when I think we're like, He had his anger under control. If he didn't, it would have been a sin. Like, you can do things angry. Like, you can do things. Anger is a valid emotion. We can be angry. Jesus was angry and give us the power to do certain things. But like you said, there's a difference between it not under control and it very under control. And that's something that I, that just means something to me to think of, like, because we think of Jesus as this meek and mild person of bringing peace, love, and happiness. And he's not a hippie. He's Jesus. (laughs) But yes, but I want to ask because recently we've had a couple guests on that we have talked to about kids in particular that are... High performing, right? High functioning. High functioning. They are your all-A students. They are the ones. All-star athletes. All-star athletes. They look like they have it all together. They are in all the things. They're good at everything. But behind closed doors, those are the kids that are unfortunately taking their lives. Those are the kids that are self-medicating. Those are the kids that are having panic attacks but not telling anyone. I just feel like there's something we've got to do for those kids because they're not telling anybody, right? But is there something that we parents can do to make sure that these kids aren't bottling everything up in themselves?
2: It's a great question. Probably one that I'd have to give some serious consideration to for a more thoughtful answer. But I'd say off the cuff, providing unconditional love at the pace of your child's engagement for it so what I mean by that is like parents get this idea and I understandably so of how life should be rather than like how life is and so I was reading about this today in this book called the courage to be disliked like and forgive me I don't know the author but they were kind of referencing this idea of like a child and their homework and how like the child maybe didn't, wouldn't be doing their homework and the parent would be like, well, hey, you got to do your homework. You get, And they start instituting all of these things of like trying to make their kid do their homework. But in reality, it was the child's task, not the parent's task. Mm-hmm. And this is like the most common thing that I see. And I don't work with a lot of student athletes, just kind of that disclosure. But there are a few of them that are in certain positions that will seek me out and kind of do stuff. And more often or not, like I have to coach the parents as much as I coach the children. So but it's all related. It's, it's kind of this letting go process of being like, I see you, I will love you. Like Whether things are going bad or, or, or good or whatever, I'm going to give you a safe place to tell me on your own terms what's yeah. happening. If you want a very, very practical like step for that, I think family dinners would be a great place to kind of institute some regular communication. But again, not family dinners for your benefit so you feel like, oh, I got the scoop or the inside scoop of what it is, but just to like provide a kind of a safe haven. I think yeah. nighttime prayers, like is something as simple as going in and just like, you know, sitting on your child's bed and praying. And, and if they get too old for that, it might even just be like, well, hey, I just wanted to come in and give you good nights I love you. Like whatever those things are, I think you don't know when they're going to kind of open up to to do these these things. There's a program and you guys should look them up. he just gave a speech. He, he's Associated with the legacy letter, Have you guys heard of this,
0: Mm-mm, I don't think it's a so. A really
2: fascinating thing that he has parents do for their kids, often well, or not geared towards fathers, but I don't, I don't think it's exclusively by any means for fathers. But they basically write a letter to their child, and he gives the format for how to write this letter about how you're proud of them, how you love them, apologizing to them for when you have messed up. So it's almost kind of coming from this place of humility, some words of encouragement things that you've seen in them and words of their potential and encouragement. Even though my kid's only seven months, I've already started to draft this kind of letter. And again, it's a continual thing of, of showcasing unconditional love. That like, hey, whatever's going on in your life, like whatever is going on in your life, you have a safe place to like share with me without judgment or without a, me taking over your task. Oh, I'm going to do this for you or tell you how it needs to be done.
1: That's really good. Well, and I think what you did there... I mean, you removed the like the the pressure of what the task is. It's like sometimes I mean, I've seen it in our house. We have four kids and two in middle school, one in high school. So when it is the homework, the point is, though, is that you do get in those like, okay, everybody sit down, let's get this done. And it does create a space of pressure. We're not putting pressure on them. But I think how you said it was it is different. You're creating a space of pressure versus like, hey, let's do this task now. Let's just get through it. Because at the end, we're going to do this or we're going to have dinner or we're going to talk. Or, I mean, you just created like such a this different picture. Well,
2: or you can create the space, whether the child shows up for that space or not is up to them. Reality sense. dictates is that may mean that they may fail. And most parents don't like to let their kids fail, but not <laughs> so much for the reasons that you think.
1: We just talked so, about this. We had our husbands on and the episode was released the beginning of the year. And we all talked about that. Like, it's really hard. And a lot of that goes back to how we were raised and how our husbands were raised. Like, failure wasn't an option. And it. we're trying to break some of those generational things of like, hey, we know you're going to fail. We all fail. We have yes. to embrace failure and learn from it and grow from it. And really, that's that, like, Helping them wrap their heads around like, you're going to bomb a test. And when you do, we're going to be there for you to come tell us your frustration. You're going to have those moments. And I think COVID actually, the awareness of it all, because we were so more involved in their schoolwork, and what they were doing. I mean, it really did open our eyes to more of it, I think. Yeah.
2: There's a psychologist, philosopher Rogerian, Psychology, which basically is just like letting the person talk without judgment and just loving them. Like it's just giving them a format to to voice their inner thoughts, their fears, their worries, their struggles it, without judgment. And look, like this is really hard. Okay. Like I'm not saying this to be judgmental or anything, but you you ask the question. And so I'm gonna give you yeah. what it yes. is the, the best response, like level 10 honesty. I think more often or not, parents are like. Battling their own fears, their own hangups or baggage through their children and the, the way that they're, they're viewed. And because of that, we get in like the shoulds, like, the, like well, you shouldn't do this, you need to do this or do this on this time. And they, these are the concepts, like all of this stuff. And 100% that needs to be in existence for, for a little bit of time, but finding that range of like, okay, I've done this. Now I've got to let them see what they think they should be doing or what they shouldn't be doing. And so, like, we'll take the homework thing. It's, hey, did you get your homework done? If they didn't do it or whatnot, it's not been done. Rather than like, well, hey, you can't have dinner or you shouldn't do this or, or that and the other thing. Okay, well, then you might have to to get a bad grade or you might have to fail. And letting them kind of open up to see and experience kind of the rawness of like what that is like, which isn't pleasant for anybody, Parent yeah. or child. Does that make yeah. sense?
1: Oh, Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm definitely in the letting go phase. It's hard. It gets really hard. Once, I mean, my son's a sophomore and he's getting there, like some of these grades. And they count, especially when he's in honors classes. And but he's the one that's got to do the work and got to, you know, pour into it. And he's doing a great job. But there's been a couple of times where I'm like trying to oversee. And then I'm like, nope, it's his job.
2: (laughs) There was a book uh, by Deepak Chopra. I think it's like Reinventing the Body, Resurrecting the Soul or something to that, that effect. He said something to the degree of like, love the sin inside of yourself, which growing up the way that I had, it was always like, hate the sin, like love the sinner, like this kind of mindset. It really expanded my idea of like what this notion of unconditional love was, like loving people while they're still dirty, loving your kids while they're still figuring things out and not without any strings or judgments of like, well, no, you have to go do this. And in my adult life, I had to have a conversation with my mom because I was raised in a pretty strict home and I kind of caused a wedge. And eventually, like, I kind of went the other way a little bit in college. And There came a point in my life where I was like, hey, you guys can write yourself, R-I-G-H-T. You can write yourself right out of a relationship. And I think that's where people, parents maybe make the mistake. It's like, yeah, of course you'll get a better job if you get good grades. And of course you need to study and you need to eat well and you need to go to bed early and do all these things. That's right. Those will yield great results. But at times it can be detrimental to the relationship. So I'm like, sometimes I would love to just have a beer with you and not hear what I should or shouldn't be doing, but just have fellowship. Just like, just listen. Just listen and love in those moments. And so again, when you're talking about the kid who doesn't feel heard, or at least I'm making that assumption, like because they're isolated, it's because I don't think they feel that they can have a safe place to be authentic. That if they were their authentic version of themselves, that that might get judged or reprimanded or criticized or critiqued, or even to some degree encouraged. And sometimes it's just like, just need you to just be, listen, then I can open up and actually share what's going on.
0: I have found that sometimes there are people that would rather be right than loved. And they just have to be right. They have to finish, like, and and you're absolutely right. You can write yourself right out of a relationship. And I think that's something that really hits home for me on somebody just putting down like this, 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 and this. And I just said, no, well, I'm going to go do this. And then... And our relationship is a thousand times better. There are still those times where it's just like they continue to want to be. Nope. This is this is the way. And I just go, okay. I'm not going to pick a back I'm just going to let that go. You're going to do what you're going to do. And I'm going to let that go. But that is something that's we can talk about it. But you almost have to experience to know those feelings that go with it. Yeah
2: there's like kind of two sides to this there's the reacting or the the communicating with your child in, in a way that is bringing out their full self letting them kind of blossom right because if you look at like the lifespan of our like lives you know a lot they know nothing and then mm-hmm. they, you know, they teach them you're learning them hey this is what we do and then eventually at some point it kind of switches right most of us begin taking care of our parents it's like oh hey yeah. when did that happen like hey <laughs> don't do that you know this is how you work a computer this is how you send an email <laughs> Pretty soon, like, make more life decisions. Well, this is what we need to do with your estate planning. This is what we need to do with your medical care. Like, So at some point, this letting go process really becomes, like, full cycle. So there's that element of knowing where you're at in your parental journey with, with your child or student. But then there's also modeling it. And I think that gets kind of, like, lost a little bit, too. Again, it can be the same thing. I talked to some parents where, like, God, they're very, very tough on their children in certain things. But like, they're not modeling it. Like, it's almost like their own deficiencies. And they're like, well, how do I do this? What do I do? And I'm like, well, if you want them to do their homework or you want them to eat right or you want them to whatever that is, what work are you doing at this time? How are you working out at this time? How are you leading? Because they're going to do oftentimes what you do versus like what you just say.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think we're in a different time place where... I wasn't raised next to my grandparents. I very rarely saw them, maybe once a year. My dad's parents died when I was like 10. So like I never really got to seeing my parents have a relationship with their parents in person a whole lot. I think that's changed now. I think more kids have grandparents that are nearby or they have more of a relationship with their grandparents. And I think that we as the parents, we forget that our child is watching us and how we talk to grandma and grandpa. And there's that difference and that we can be modeling some of these things and doing these, like you said, that they're going to catch a lot more seeing us do something versus
1: just telling them. And because we originally started talking about sports with you when we found that's what you did, that was one of the things that stuck out in my head in our original conversation was just like, modeling your composure at your kids' events. And I mean, that's what I still work on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just shared, it was funny, one of those reels of like, how I want to act at my kids' games, how I really act. Yes. I just dare this weekend after my daughter's soccer tournament. I do, I have this like inner cheerleader inside of me that just can't shush it. I mean, I'm all positive for the most part. It was championship yesterday. So we were all talking about how a championship, there's a bunch of parents and I was like, I haven't heard you guys all season. Yeah. Like, it's funny because they're they right. all like, again, you're at teenager level. The girls don't want you saying anything. Composure is held in the stands. And then the championship game. And we're all like, what are you?
2: Well, let's <laughs> be very clear here. Like, there's composure, which is being in control of your emotions. But cheering for your son or daughter, like, is not a lack of composure. Let <laughs> your freak flag fly. And if your kids don't like it, well, that's their problem.
1: Husband says that all the time because he always like like starts the game like yelling our child's name out, and they're like it's so embarrassing. He goes, but you're my kid, and I'm proud of it. Yeah,
2: what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? yeah, That's not them. Like, so I want to be very clear. Like, I'm not saying like, I guess in that instance when I was talking about composure, like it's not that you can't be your authentic self, but with any of this stuff, I don't want you to be somebody different than you're not. Like, it's no be yourself truly and sincerely. But encourage that in your child as well by giving them a safe place to grow and be themselves, like
0: which that, may very well be the exact opposite, of yeah. what we are because God has a sense of humor.
2: For now, until they have their kids, and then you're going to see it.
0: Then yes. then, yes, and then you're just going to giggle to yourself
1: all the time and yep. going, ha, ha, ha. My daughter right. told me this morning as I was driving to drop her off. She goes, "When I discipline my kids or lecture my kids." I'm going to be a lot nicer about it. And I said, oh, okay. So you're saying I'm not real nice. And when I'm disciplining or lecturing and she was like, well, just sometimes. And I was like, okay, well, good luck, honey. I was like, how many kids are you going to have? She's like, I think I'm going to have three. She goes, because four is way too much.
2: <laughs> Show me the way. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, I'll be that that just sits back and is like, ah, so yes. this is, it's hard, isn't it? Yeah. That's when yeah. you do a hit accident, hit record
0: on your phone. And then <laughs> when you start seeing her yell at the two of- <laughs> the five-year-old and the seven-year-old and go, hold on one second. Let me just pull up this quick video real quick so we can talk about this.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Great. What questions do you guys see with your audience or viewers in terms of students and their athletics?
1: Well, we were talking about after the summer and early fall. Originally, I think the hardest part is when you hit this age of middle school, high school, and it is the choosing club, choosing the sport, I think it's really just more the decision making becomes yeah. hard because you're young, I and I think too for parents. I think it was hard
0: for us. Like gymnastics, it's hard to want to support that <laughs> when that yeah. is a lot more of my schedule. And not for me, I mean, but. Again, like we have conversations like, what are your goals? What do you want What's to your see? Vision and, What's yeah. your vision for this? Do you want to continue to do this? And I think that's just something
1: that parents remind ourselves that it's more about them than it is about us. Really? Yeah. But I, it is, but it isn't because we're helping them make those decisions. I think that was the hard part is it's like our kids need to be kids. We shouldn't have to make these decisions at nine years old. Which one do you want to focus on? Because that's the only one that you're going to get to play in high school because you can't play two or whatever. I think it's just that is really where it, we get stumped as parents. And which part? The being stumped is like helping them choose. Like, I mean, the conversation we had to have with our son about which one he wanted to pick because both were club. They both were time consuming and expensive. We had to like do the questions of like, what do you like more? What's your vision? Which do you see yourself doing more? That kind of thing. So he ended up picking soccer. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep.
2: Yeah. Which is still, I mean, a lot of time. I've seen that one of the guys that I work with, I think is on the Y 14 or 17 program for sporting KC. And like, it's intense, man, like Mm -hmm. all of the games, all the things like I didn't think there would be mental coaching at this age, but it's surprisingly like, I think it's going to be a trend that continues to pick up from here. Yeah, feel Like it's happening earlier and earlier.
0: I think because we know more, we can do better, right? Like, That's something that I think is what we can do as parents. Like when we were playing sports as kids, it wasn't the same. Like we have to just let that, it wasn't the same. It completely different now. I mean, there were literally parents that were letting more kids have Tommy John surgery on their shoulders in high school so that they would have stronger muscles and get a better scholarship for college. Like,
1: That's stupid. Well, I think the hard part is, though, if it gets to a point that it's not letting them, they kind of sometimes need it. (laughs) That's the other part. Like they played so much, they need it by then. That's crazy. Yeah, but then you go,
0: okay, well, at what point do I stop my kid from doing something unhealthy that's toward the sport? Like, because I mean, doing something as strong as like a surgery. To be proactive to make sure your kid does well in college when they're in high school. Like, if they actually need it, yes, that's different. But there are, I literally know families that were doing those kinds of things. they like, well, the only way he's going to be able to compete at this level. How do you help your kid feel confident in their ability at their level without trying to be something they're not? Is that possible?
2: How do you help your kid be confident at their level? Like, if the, do you mean if there's like an injury limitation?
0: No, I just mean at... At their age. At their age, at their, like, they're not as good as they want to be. Their teammates are getting better faster than they are. They're trying to put in the time. They're trying to put in the work, but they feel like they're just not making it at the level that the other kids are. I mean, and sometimes that's because their bodies are awkward. Like, let's be honest. Sometimes they're just the like legs and all arms and they have no idea how to do that. And and then other kids are more control and that just simply will come better. But like how do you help your kid is like, mom, I'm the crappiest one on the team. How do you do that?
2: Well, I mean, a couple things. I don't think that it does us very well. I know it's like inevitable, and I don't think we do a very good job when we compare. Because then we either like feel low or we feel high artificially, but it's not like realistic to where we're at and how we're going to get better. I mean, I know it seems a little, little silly, but like this phrase that I kind of keep in my own mind is something that I struggle with is run your race with grace. Like run your race with grace. And what that means to me is like, I got to focus in on what's in front of me. And I've got to give myself a lot of grace along the way. When I start looking at like what this person is doing or what that person is doing, and inevitably it's almost always when I'm comparing somebody's best to like my worst, I'm like, Oh my God, they're working with this client or, Oh, they just made starter or they did whatever these things might be that we value. Like we, we start to compare. And then that makes me feel like this big. And then it, it, it inhibits my own natural energy or ability to do the thing that I was passionate or pursuing anyway, Two and probably should have led with this one. Like God has a purpose for each and every one of us. Like, God will guide you. And when you keep him at the center of your life and what you want to do, he's going to get you through it. It almost inevitably means that you will face suffering and facing suffering or defeat or failure is not bad. Like, I think a lot of people like get it in their brains like, oh, I'm supposed to like avoid this pain. Where do we get that? Like, Jesus didn't avoid pain. Like, like in his human condition, there was life was riddled with suffering. Yep. It's how do you find peace of mind through that? Like, again, we were talking about this verse. You're not born of the spirit of fear. You're born of the spirit of power, love, and sound mind. Power or peace of mind comes from being consistent in what you think, what you say, and what you do with the things that you can control. So when the athlete who is like looking and they're like, well, I'm not, you know, doing good enough or whatever. Well, that may be the reality of your situation. Maybe you're not good enough for this team. Ooh, there's a gut check. Mm -hmm. okay, are you going to quit? Like, was that what you were looking for anyway? Were you playing for the applause or the significance of standing out on this team? Or is there something else in your character that you want to develop or in your game that you want to develop? Like, is this when you quit? Or, and again, leaving that to, what I try to do is I present to my clients options. I don't always tell them what to do. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, kind of the same thing with this student athlete. Like when you put the writing on the wall, like you don't have to deny it. Like, one, I wouldn't compare, but let's say you're not getting where you want. You're not getting playing time. You're not getting the things that you want. Your peers are advancing. Okay, so are you done? Are you saying that you're over this? Or is there a part of you that enjoys what you're doing and wants to keep working at it and get better? Then you let them make their own decision. Like, And then you provide the support and the consequences if they move from that decision. I don't want to tell people how to pair it, Perry, but me personally, I'm I'm like, hey, if you decide something i'm going to support and encourage you every step of the way but we're not going to go back on our word you said you were going to do that then we're going to see this through to the end like to the end of the season or whatever that is and like, then yeah wait, anyway but there's going to be consequences of the decisions so that you learn mm-hmm. how to become a better decision maker
0: i like that so you can learn how to be a better decision maker mm-hmm.
2: at the end of the day like john wooden the he was voted um, ESPN's greatest coach of all time, right? UCLA basketball coach. Like one of the biggest things he focused on, what I focus on is character. Like he was coaching character in his athletes. Like the sports are a framework, a system to develop the internal character of your student or child. It doesn't have to be the end. Like your kids should be bigger than the sport that they're playing. Yeah. I have to work that all the time. Like, Like with my champions, I'm like, if you need the belt to be somebody, then who are you without the belt? Yeah. If you need this team to be somebody, then who are you without this team? What really matters is, are you diligent? Are you disciplined? Are do you persevere? Are you mentally tough? Are you strong? Are you honest? Are you, you know a friend? Are you meek? All of these things that like I think kind of center around the, the characteristics of creating a healthy human being.
1: Yeah. You know, that's awesome. I think just centering on that and focusing on that when you're talking to your kids and helping and supporting them, whether it's sports or homework or whatever, in their mental game is really checking in on their character, how they're feeling about themselves and really helping them talk through that. We just, we're real good at parents can say the positive affirmations to the kids because you want them to believe it. But for them to be able to articulate that about themselves is really when it starts to become who...
2: They Who are. they are, yeah, yeah. When I started, I had a, like a former coach or somebody I'd met and I, he said something to the effect of like, when I tell somebody something, it just becomes another opinion. But like when they say it from themselves, it becomes their gospel. And mm-hmm. so parenting is almost kind of like inception. Like at least that's kind of how I look at it. Like you model it, you present the options. You can almost even coax a little bit, don't get caught. Because at the end of the day, you want them coming up with their own decisions of like what they do and seeing, well, how did that work? Was this rewarded or what, did it not give me what I want? Okay, now how do, I, how do I get a little bit better at that? And if I just tell them what to do, it'd be like no different than your student comes home for the math test and you just do it for them. Like, well, they didn't learn anything. They didn't learn anything about how to, to, to pass the test that life gives them when they're the worst one on the team. Yeah. Like, yeah. well, I just did it for them. I, I, I took them out or I did it. It's like, no, 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 like. That's what we were talking about earlier with the letting go process. they are not going to get it right. There's Indeed. it's going to be ugly. There's going to be we, like let me get this out there. It, you, their behaviors may negatively or poorly reflect upon you at times. But that's part of being a failure. That's, that's, yeah, that's what you it's it's it. Yep. how do you manage with that? How do you maintain your composure and your energy and your purpose in like faces of things when your kids are not doing what you think they should be doing?
0: But we also have to remember as parents, the most perfect parent in the world, God himself, still had two children that disobeyed. Adam and Eve. I like to encourage parents that, like, because then you're never going to be the perfect parent, right? But like, you're at the end of the day, your kids still get to make the choices they're going to make. And their sins are not who you are as a parent either.
2: 100%. And here's another head scratcher that, builds on that, like how would you be able to understand the love of Jesus Christ if there wasn't sin or the need for salvation?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yep.
2: These, these things come up or this suffering comes up or mistakes are made, like you can look at it as like this negative or you can look at it as like, no, this is an opportunity to like, now let me show you how I can really unconditionally love you. How I can really provide support. Like, I, think, I think this whole trip on this little dust rock that we're doing is kind of figuring that out. It's like got to continually become more Christ-like or more centered in our unconditional love for people. And if there is something that's happening, you can sure enough have a righteous wrath to, to fix it. Yeah. Okay, that
1: world. was so good. This was awesome. We're so thankful to just have this like open conversation and to encourage parents and kids and just start also our own, Family mental battle. Uh, we all yeah. have it. We all have one. We all have a story we tell ourselves that we are counteracting and building on and yep. trying to negate all that negativity sometimes or that comes in. Says. Yes, exactly. The comparison, the yeah. world. The yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, how can our yeah. listeners find
1: you if they want to work
0: with you, want to follow you on Instagram? What's your website? Give them all the contacts to get to know you.
2: Or I do. There's been a lot of things that have been talked about on this, but I want everybody, including yourself who's out there listening or or who tunes in to know that like you are showing up, like you're already doing phenomenal. Like you've got the, like, literally the hardest job in the world. So I want to give you encouragement that like, just by being invested, like even with the parents that are helicoptering or taking over their kid, it's like, oh, but it's still coming from this authentic place of love. Like at the end of the day, like that's awesome that's definitely better than not showing up or not being there at all. So yeah. just want to encourage you guys like Bravo in like pursuing these kind of things to, to benefit, because that's amazing. If you want to find out more at mental sensei, S E N S E I is my Instagram handle. I think I'm on X or Twitter, although I don't really use it. Same thing, kind of a little bit with Facebook. I'm on there a little bit more. You can email me info at mental sensei. Um, I have a couple of free online courses That I've offered now they are geared towards fighters, but the information that there is still relevant to, like we were talking about with the principles and like the frameworks and a nine week fight camp course that you can download or go through. I'm also looking at trying to get some group coaching going in terms of, well, it's starting off again with fighters, but we did have enough student engagement or things like that. If there are people, then then drop me a line because I wouldn't mind trying to put together some workshops on maybe what's the proper way to visualize or how do we think about our strategy or what do we do? When we fail, or some of these hot button questions, if there is a a need or or a format for that, then then let me know, and I'm I'm more than willing to talk to you through it. That's awesome. awesome.
0: Well, thank you so much, Caleb. Yeah. So yeah. appreciate it again. That's a wrap, Housewives. Yes. Until next time. Thanks,
1: Housewives. Have a good week. Bye. Great. Whether we made you laugh or cry today, we pray you feel appreciated, bolder and braver than yesterday, stronger and more faithful for tomorrow and living in who you were made to be today.
0: Join our online community on Facebook, link in the show notes, and be sure to review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening. Until next time, housewives, we give you permission to walk confidently, free, and to be intentional in your slippers or stilettos.